Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Always, well always, I'm always thinking about the church is what I was put on the planet to do. I know that. Um, um, even my website is ilovethechurch.com. <laughs> so I got that like 10 years ago. But um, I... Um, thinking about the church in America right now. I mean, the whole world is in turmoil. America's in turmoil on so many fronts, but even the church itself has been upended and flipped on its side. Um, And daily, and more than once daily, it's usually a few times daily, I have people from um, as far as in England and in Scotland and in Australia. So I'm living in America, but I have these people that are... and And there's also someone... Yeah, just from a lot of different um, places, just reaching out and saying, what is going on? Um, My church is closed. I don't know why they're not open. My church won't even let me go pray in it. I don't know why they won't even let me at least pray in my church. And it's been hard this week because I, you know, this week we went from COVID and closures and mask wearing and um, social distancing to this week which is the um, protesting and I am all for the peaceful protesting like I am I am for that I'm for the peaceful protesting I am not for the violence because acts of violence on one side aren't answered by acts of violence on another side and um, I um, my where is the church like it's disappeared because Many of us have just sat down and gone, we're supposed to be social distancing and we've got these rules and we can't open our doors and we can't have that many people in our buildings and we've got to wear masks. And last week, I didn't put this on social media because I, <laughs> I, I, I want to be careful sometimes. <laughs> so, you know, last week I was, I was pretty... Um, there was a point last week where I just thought, the church in America, not all of the church, but there's many in the church in America right now that trust more in a mask than they do in the blood of Jesus. Mm. And I, I was just was hurting my heart to just think, not, not, not for Jesus, because he is God and that's not going to hurt him. He's, his heart is broken over that for the church. And this week, it was. It, I went from being very heartbroken over the lack of faith and sleepiness that I'm seeing, and it's a, it is very sleepy church. And I think that um, at the beginning of COVID, God said to me, "I'm going to do a really big reboot with the whole world, but especially in the church." And um, we're seeing a very clear line drawn in the sand between really those who are going to stand up in faith and walk in faith and really walk and um, understand that. Um, um, like it's not about breaking rules. It's not about doing things that are illegal so much as um, push back on the things where the church has been told to sit down and be quiet. That is, that is nothing but pure enemy speaking and roaring against the church. There's two things that we've seen. I've watched in culture for many years is two things is the political spirit and the religious spirit. And Jesus said, he said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Or he said in other translations, say leaven. They're spreading influence of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which is the religious spirit and the political spirit, right? And the two spirits work in, in tandem to, to shut down the church, to make it quiet, to shut off the prophetic voices and to cause people to really sit down. And, um, you know, political, uh, spe- um, what is it? Uh, political correctness, that political correct speech um, 
is uh, one of the ways that it's come right into the church. And so the church won't even speak out about things that are really hurting the nation. Uh, families, fa- fatherlessness is the issue. It's the issue. And um, by far, yeah. you could point at a lot of things right now going on, even the yeah. protesting on the streets. It started way back with fatherlessness. Yeah. And it doesn't matter, you can, <laughs> abortion in the church, like abortion in the in in culture, but abortion really in the church. How many spiritual um, babies have been killed off because of fatherlessness in the church? Yeah. Like everything, it starts like in the spiritual first. And so, when the church is not standing up and being the church that God has called it to be in the earth, we are going to see anarchy. We're going to see problems and confusion. And so, people are reaching out saying, "I'm just fearful. I'm confused. I don't know what to do." And I'm like, "Actually, just keep your eyes on Jesus. And if it means shutting off your social media, if it means like..." Turn off all of the regular media. CNN is absolute junk. Like, t- like this junk, nothing but pure junk. And has been for many, like two decades. So now it's just very obvious to people. Oh, thank God. Um, but turn it off. And the only thing that we are told is that this is truth. This is the thing that is unchanging. This will not change. My Bible will not change. And God even said that not, not one of these words will um, fail to come to pass. He's going he's gonna to bring it all to pass. And this is the one thing that we trust. This is the one thing that won't change and that we base our life on. And everything else can be shifting and changing all the time. But if we've based our life on this and the foundation of our life is deep, deep rooted in the Word of God and who Jesus is, by the way, if, if our foundation of our life is that, then nothing that comes our way is going to rock us. And when I say rock us, and this might sound a little strange, it was strange to me when it happened. I think it was Monday morning this week or Tuesday morning, because you know, people in, so people in social media right now are shaming people for all kinds of things. And shame is nothing but pure demonic shame. Like it's out of the pit of hell, because the Bible says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? There's no condemnation. So why are Christians going, oh, I'm going to shame you, shame on you if you don't do this, and shame on you? I'm like, why are Christians adding their voice to this mess and whirlwind of demonic just words that are creating havoc in our nation right now? And so um, anyway, so I was doing the dishes one morning and I, and I had a really funny moment because I literally was like, well, Jesus, you know, if I die, it's all right because I just go to a better place. I'm just, but I was like, but just make it quick. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, what kind of thoughts am I having right now? I'm like already in that place of persecuted church. I went from too quick and we're not American church is not persecuted church. No way. Not in comparison to what other nations. Um, But sure right now we can see the enemy's plan that is, that is being rolled out and exposed right now in this nation. And I'm glad because every single day something new is exposed. But what it means is every single day more people are now seeing, oh my goodness, this, is, this has been the enemy at work this whole time. And so the more stuff gets exposed, as um, unsettling as it can be for people, and it, and it will be unsettling, the more stuff that gets exposed, the more people then can face the truth and then make the changes to make their life a lot stronger and rooted in Jesus and who he is. And so um, with, if things remain hidden in culture, if things remain hidden, like the, um, the, the, you know, just if we talk about the Black Lives Matter, if we talk about the police brutality, it, it what, doesn't matter what you poke your finger at in culture right now. You could talk, poke your finger at the COVID mask wearing people, doesn't matter. Um, when stuff remains hidden, like the Bill Gates vaccine stuff, it doesn't matter what you talk about. The, the more stuff just gets exposed very openly 
openly and very widely in culture, the more people are then armed with the ability to make the choices that for their own life really matter. And what really matters is that we be people who follow Jesus no matter what. And so align our life with truth, align our life with who he is, and do not uh, depart from who Jesus is. And fix the Bible says, fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith. He will, and another version says the author and finisher. So author and perfecter or author and finisher. So when he saves a person, so long as that person, as long as I keep my, my focus on who Jesus is, so long as I keep my focus on him and don't depart from that, no matter what comes my way, whether it's a COVID infection or, you know, whatever, as long as my focus is on Jesus, then, then it doesn't matter whether I live or die in the end because, with, with you know, Paul said that if I, if I to, to live is Christ but to die is gain, right? Uh, it's an old song too, if you've been in the church well old enough. Sorry, i got that song going through my head right now. It's like... Um, but to live is Christ and to die is gain. So it's, that's why I had the, the, the moment doing my dishes, just going, well, just make it quick, God. <laughs> if I'm going to go, just make it quick and painless as you can. <laughs> but I'm ready. Um, and that sounds like a really strange thing to say. I'm ready. I'm ready. But it's not really when you understand who Jesus is. I'm ready. I'm ready. Like I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid to give my life for the Lord. And I will not budge. I will not back compromise. I will not back down on what I know to be truth. I, I will. I am. I'm okay to have my life taken yeah. as I will not deny Christ. And I will not. I will keep speaking about what truth is no matter what, no matter who it's in front of. Um, I, I am not going to back down. And um, yeah. Amen. Amen. I know, right? So um, we have 2,000 years, of, and well, people have been dying before that for their faith. Many of the people in the Bible, you can read about it. But um, we have we have a 2,000 year church history of, of, of uh, people who were killed for their faith. And, and sometimes by people who called themselves Christians <laughs> were killing the people who were the real Christians. <laughs> and it's gross, very gross. Um, but I, what is very beautiful to know, and maybe this will help some people, I, there are there is story after story. If you read any of the church history books, especially in the first 100, 200 years, um, wherever um, people were being martyred, the stories of the Holy Spirit showing up and the person like not even recognizing then the fires as the fires were licking them up and killing them. They're literally just seeing Jesus and their focus was Jesus. And so he's turned up that reel in that moment. And he's taken them into heaven as, you know, demons and people were killing them. Right? You all went real quiet. <laughs> so um, there's um, even even as Stephen, if you read in Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 8, Stephen is 8, chapter 8, chapter eight um, Stephen was the first martyr in the Bible and he's stoned. But the, the words are, he just looked up into heaven and started, his gaze was taken up into heaven. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit was right there. And he's looking now, he's, like, he's going home to his real home, his real home. And we're citizens of heaven, right? Yeah. And just even on the, even on the, this week, it's been so heartbreaking. But you know that in heaven, there is no Jew and no Gentile, yeah. right? There's no ethnicity. There's no splitting up between color of, of races. And by the way, God is who designed the colors. God is who designed the races. And so we should be people who love every person and every color and all of the races. We should have a deep love. In fact, if we don't, if we don't love our brother and our sister, or even those yet to be our brother and our sister, that God, God, Jesus, you know, the word says that the love of God is not in us. And we 
we show our faith to be untrue that we call we may as well just go ahead and call ourselves a liar we're a hypocrite so if i say if i say i'm a christian but yet i have i have any any bit of racism or hatred toward anybody i'm a hypocrite it's, it's just that plain and simple i show my faith to be of no worth zero so it doesn't matter like so ethnicity itself so even in the the scripture where um where it talks about ethnicity we, the, the Greek word is ethnos. We get that ethnicity from the Greek word ethnos. And so um, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There's also no difference between male and female. And so if you're a citizen of, if you're a believer in Christ and you've given your life down, you've, you've laid your life down and you've gone, I surrender and I've given my life to Jesus, then you have become part of this. You, you're a citizen of heaven. And so the Bible calls you a stranger here or an alien here or a foreigner. I'm a foreigner here. Although we live here and breathe and I eat food and I live in a house and I need shelter and all that stuff. But, but I'm really a foreigner here because now my citizenship is in heaven. And so the call on a person's life in that way is now, Jesus said, be holy as I'm holy, right? And so we are called to a completely different way of living. I know, sorry, it's a bit buggy. Someone's got some really nice smelling... I got it smells really good. <laughs> so you guys all put lavender on and the bugs all came over here. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. So um, I have just a few things that we'll talk about, though. Um, as I said, the thing that I've been really um, heartbroken over is that the church here in America has trusted in putting on masks and trusted a six foot distance between people rather than in the blood of Jesus. Like where, where, where is the church right now? And um, it's, it's, I don't have even words to express all that, mean, that what that means. And I don't want to be someone who's sitting in judgment on the one hand, yet we are seeing people feel safe because they put a mask on rather than going and praying for the sick and laying hands on people. And I'm not saying be reckless, right? I'm not saying go and um, just be in the sickest place because you want to be. But if the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you need to go here and you need to pray for this person, then if the Holy Spirit is leading you to do that, there is going to be protection on you and grace on you because he wants to heal someone. And so we've got to be people who will obey the Holy Spirit no matter what. This is what it comes down to. If we're people who just um, can hear and obey every day, we hear God and we obey him. We're just people who live. That's the Shema. From the Old Testament, and it's the same in the New Testament, hear and obey God. And so, um, with that, I'm going to start reading some scripture. So, I'm going to read. Well, the church. So, the church. There's a, there's a couple of words that are used in the Bible to talk about the church, but the uh, uh, one that people know or have heard of is the ecclesia, or ecclesia, if I say that right, the ecclesia. Um, it just means the gathering of people. And so the ecclesia is nothing more. When I say nothing more, it's actually very great, but not. But it is the gathering of people wherever people gather. So, gather. so Jesus said, where two or more are gathered, there am I in the midst, because he just makes his home amongst us. Right, he, he, he occupies that space between when we gather. And that's why I know people are, like that's, people are reaching out every day. I'm having people message me saying, I, just, I need to get with people and worship. And the reason is they're missing, they're missing his presence that comes. He's always with us, but they're missing his presence that comes in a much greater way through worship. And he occupies that space. And um, 
it is his idea. It's not even our idea. Like worship, to gather for worship, it's not our idea. It's he, he is who called, he is who instituted people gather for worship. So the Hebrew word, two Hebrew words are kuhal and another one, which is um, edah. But the kuhal word means um, to, it's derived from voice, God's voice that calls his people to gather together to worship. Like it's God's heart, God's idea to gather, God's idea to call people together, to pray, to worship. By the way, to celebrate, to, to have joy and eat food, the banquets. Like they banqueted all the time in the Old Testament. We've got to banquet ourselves a little more. That's why we do all the potlucks. Because it's just nice having food with each other, right? And so, um, the, you know, we eat together and we spend time together. But it was God who instituted that. It's, family is his idea in the first place, right? And so even, even everything that we see on earth, it's modeled after family, whether it's the kingdom or a church itself or then the gathering, the greater gathering. And so the, um, in, the, in the New Testament, though, the other word, I've got Ecclesia, but the other word is, um, maybe you've heard of it, but Kyriakos, or, or maybe you've heard of, is it, is it, oh, it doesn't matter, there's a bit of a German, it translates from German, but Kirch is where we get church from, because Kirch sounds like church. That's why they landed on that word church, because it just sounded like a, a German word. And so um, each time, the two in the Old Testament and the two words in the New Testament, it just means assemble, gather, congregate, come together. And the reason is, is because um, when we come together and live life upon life, our, I'm fed and you're fed and our hearts grow. And we, we, learn, we learn to live in community way better than we ever learned to live isolated. And the fruit of the Spirit we've been talking about, Clayton's been doing some teachings on the fruit of the Spirit. You can't develop the fruit of the Spirit or allow the Holy Spirit to develop the fruit of the Spirit in you if you're isolated from people because you're not practicing patience and you don't have to show self-control because there's no one, right? But in the, in, the, in the aspect of community, when you're living lives and you're rubbing up against people and you're just learning to love and, and learning, learning to respond in love um, and, and actually actually loving that's the whole what we were saying earlier loving other people that is that is it's all this is all part of god's design god designed church for us to be very real and very intimate together um living lives beautifully together um the living stones it, we've talked a little bit about the living stones and that's what I'm, that's the scripture i'm going to read right now so i'm going to read one peter from chapter two i'm reading in the niv from verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone, capital L, capital S, the living stone, that's Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, precious to God. You also, like living stones, or you also become like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders has rejected has become the cornerstone and the stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Um, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. 
But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not people, but now you have become the people of God. Once you were not received, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the whole point is Jesus was the first stone that was laid. Um, he came to the earth the incarnation was that moment he came to the earth and it was like Jesus setting in place, sorry, Father setting in place Jesus' life as the cornerstone for the whole rest of the great big building that God was going to be building up into a spiritual household. God's spiritual household is the church. So so we're meeting tonight, as few of us here, so this is the church, but right, the building down the street where they meet, that is also the church. But, but all of that very great big collectively one body of Christ, that is a very great collective body of Christ. And everybody all around the planet, no matter what name is over the building of the church, not, no matter what denomination, if they are believers in Jesus Christ, then, then all together we are being built up into that one spiritual house. And, um, you know, Matthew 16, 18 says, I will build my church. Jesus will build my church. He was talking to Peter and Peter was talking about, Peter just had the absolute revelation of his life. Oh, you are God. You are the Christ. I know who you are. Right. So he's got that revelation has dropped into his heart and Jesus looks at him and says, oh, you, you are you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. But it's the rock of revelation. He's not saying Peter and through Peter, I will lead a succession of leadership now for one denomination. It's Peter, the rock. You are rock. But on this rock, a different rock, a greater, the rock of revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And Jesus is saying, I will be the one to build my house. And so he's the one who's the the cornerstone and on, on a building on a cornerstone. The cornerstone is the first stone that is put in place that every other stone that gets laid into that building takes its shape from. So like if you just like a square building. So if you just, it's the one corner and there's a 90 degree angles that they all get built from. But that one stone is the stone that gets laid first. And that was Jesus Christ. And so no other, no other thing or person or doctrine or tradition can be that cornerstone. Nothing else can give us shape to our own individual lives and nothing else can give shape to the church. It's got to be Jesus Christ only. And so that he's the cornerstone set in place by God. It was always designed this way, that he'd be the one, the first one. And um, the Bible also says in Ephesians 2 that, a, that from that from that stone, the next layer is the, the, the foundation of apostles and prophets that God lays into the church. And so that deep in that foundation goes a leadership um, and the, 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 I'm not trying to talk about fivefold right now, but that is the foundation that goes into the leadership of the church. Um, we'll talk about that more in the coming weeks. We did last week in last Sunday message a little bit, talk about it. But um, the, the foundation of leadership, it's not on a pastor. It was only, it was probably around, ah, uh, I could get the century wrong, but it was only really around the, second century mid second century that or even even later again that the church just became driven around like one person um before before like that whole first up until 100 ad it was just like this like everybody gets to have a prophetic word given everybody's contributing 
everybody has something to bring, something of great value to bring. Well, it doesn't matter if you're a male or female, right? It's everybody had something really great to bring to church. And that's the whole point about being the family of God. Everybody has incredible value and something to bring and something every joint supplying. That's Ephesians 4. Every joint supplying is when every person is coming and they are laying their gift at the feet, at the table for everybody else to receive from, something from. doesn't matter what the something is, right? You have people who are really great at uh, administration. You have people that are really great at um, being prophetic. You have really great people. It's just like, it doesn't matter what the gifts are. This is not even about the gift in the end. It's about the person. It's about the heart. It's about the relationship with God and, and all of us moving together closer to him and closer to each other, right? And so, and so it was actually... Uh, Ignatius, have you heard that word Ignatius? It was two Ignatiuses in the church, one at around the 1000 mark, but there was one right around 100 AD. And um, you, before Rome was still, like Rome was its heyday, 100 AD. The church was growing so big and fast. It was a leader called Ignatius and he started organizing the church. And he organized the church somewhat after the Roman idea, which was the leaders of tens, leaders of twenties, leaders of fifties, and with a top leader, which became known as bishop. But up until that point, there had been no like bishops, but it was Ignatius. And now I'm not saying like, okay, we can see now 2000 years later, that's kind of gone sideways, right? And people have used it in a wrong way. Not always, but sometimes people have used it in a wrong way and there's been abuse, we understand. Um, but I really think this man had the right heart and the right intention to do this. And I think that on our best day or on our worst day, if our heart and intention is still just to be someone who gives our life and wants to serve the church, and I don't mean a building, I don't mean a particular domination or a name, I mean people. On our best day or our worst day and everything in between, if our heart is just to love the church and, and lay our lives aside, lay our lives down to feed people, love people, care, nurture, give my gift, my life poured out, given into serving others, um, that, that, is, that is what we're called to do. And that is when, when we can do that then we're really people who are living stones and being built up into this big structure called the church god's the body of christ and um and i say i say on our best day or on our worst day because i fall over all the time i make mistakes all the time and i will until the day i die like all of us will we just keep doing things and sometimes really great and sometimes really imperfectly but none of us we're not supposed to be perfect we're not supposed to compare ourselves among one another we're just supposed to get up every day <laughs> and just go breath in my lungs I get to do another day with Jesus I get to do another day with him and that just means beautiful relationship with him beautiful being loved by him beautiful um, having him um, speak to me and empower me to go do everything he wants me to do we overcomplicate Christianity we overcomplicate church it's really much more simple than I've been, I mean, I've been in church all my life and I've seen people overcomplicate it with way too many things and people just get into this place of incredible striving which just becomes nothing more than just religious works that are going to burn up in the fire and have no meaning in eternity. What has meaning in eternity is that I've loved, I've loved really well, or we've, we've loved, we've loved really well, right? If you think about the eternal things, I, I've, I've loved and I've laid down my life and I've surrendered everything. I've not held anything back from Jesus. And so I've given my life to him to such a place where he can be incarnated again. 
doesn't mean when we're not God we don't become God but he is looking to incarnate himself again in the church with anybody who will just lay their life down um, there's a Philippians 2 his talk talks about Jesus emptying himself of his um, divine attributes to become a man and and live on the earth as a man so he, he did not cease to be God he was God always but he did not keep uh, he did not keep grasping at his God he didn't keep grabbing the God card to do the miracles. He did the miracles as a man full of the Holy Spirit so that he could show us how to do miracles as men and women full of the Holy Spirit and live just like him, doing the miracles just like him, all of it. I've got to take a drink, that lavender. <coughs> you guys, I'm glad you guys don't have bugs on you though. <laughs> it's just got my throat. <laughs> We still have All right. It is getting late, so I am actually going to wrap this this up pretty quickly. Just now talking about Jesus, but understanding he is our example. Like he's God. He came. He never stopped being God, never ceased being God. He just sat aside his attributes in, in great humility. Showed us, by the way, how to live with incredible humi humility doing that, right? We, um, yeah, I'll move on. <laughs> um, I'm going to read, I'm going to read actually. Yeah, I'll read from Matthew 3.16. So Matthew, Matthew 3.16, this is just when he was baptized. Now in, in Isaiah 64, the very first verse, it says, oh, like Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah I say that like an Australian. <laughs> uh, you would say it like that too, wouldn't you? <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah, sorry people. I sometimes translate as I'm, <laughs> anyway. Or, uh, Isaiah 64 says it's a cry of his God. Holy Spirit is crying out, prophesying through Isaiah. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He's speaking of Jesus, right? Because here we read in Matthew 4, uh, 3, verse 16, actually from 13. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus said, let it be done now, and this is proper for us to do because it's going to fulfill all righteousness. Um, then verse 16 says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment the heaven was opened. That's Isaiah's prayer is being, Isaiah is like crying out prophetically, Oh, that you would rend the heavens. And this is the answered prayer. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Holy Spirit of God coming down and descending on Jesus like a dove. So I love that you saw, dove. I saw a dove tonight in the meeting in worship. It's because it represents the Holy Spirit. Um, and so descending like a dove and alighting on him and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. But here's the thing is, you know, we, we um, it was that that moment that the heavens were rent and the Holy Spirit got out of heaven and was, was on Jesus, on a person, for the first time since Adam in the garden. Like, like Holy Spirit was, had come on people, because 
David talked all the time about being full of the Holy Spirit and having the Holy Spirit on him. So there's really beautiful, bright moments in the Old Testament where there was Holy Spirit was there, but he just couldn't remain all the time like he can with us now because the people didn't have, they weren't, they were still sinful. They were in their sinful state. And so he had to, <laughs> couldn't stay in the way that he does with us. Because we're a new creation, so he does not leave us now, right? He stays with us permanently. We've been covered by the blood of Jesus and we're saved and we're a new creation, so he stays. But So Jesus received the Holy Spirit and was full of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God never left him. And the whole of his life, even through his, all of his life, when even the beginning of ministry, um, sorry, the beginning of ministry was when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, the thing that, the thing that we've, it's just, I constantly think about this, is Jesus prayed every single day. He sought out the Father every single day. Jesus is God, but he went away every day. He got alone and he, <coughs> <is> that lavender? <coughs> he got alone with God every single day. And, it's, and it wasn't so that he could be anointed to do the ministry. It was first primarily because of relationship. We've got to remember that. It is, this is this is we are invited into the same relationship that he had with the Father on earth. We're invited to that same relationship, one of incredible intimacy, incredible hearing, seeing, moving, being used by God every single day. So I have a couple more verses. Um, I'm going to just say this because this is what I really wanted to say tonight, more than more than anything else, for us to be the church. And I think this frustrates people. It has. I know I've frustrated people in the past with this, but I don't care. <laughs> it's not that I don't care. I do love people. But I, I care much, much more about the opinion of heaven and that I'm honouring God and living obediently to him. So Jesus, Jesus did not, he, he did not self-initiate ministry. He did not move around and do things on his own ideas and have his own words to say he heard and he waited he sorry he waited he spent time and and built that relationship with father and waited on the father's words and he said i don't do anything without first seeing the father do it i don't say anything without first hearing the father say it but here is um just a couple of verses i'm going to read john 4 verse 34 bugs are getting me <laughs> My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John 5 verse 17. My father is always at his work and to this very day I am working too. Verse 19 says, Jesus said, very truly I tell you the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than the ones you've been seeing now so that you will be amazed. I'm going to keep reading just a couple more verses. So John 5 verse 30. This is again, he did not self-initiate. He waited. He waited to hear. He waited to respond to everything Holy Spirit wanted him doing, right? By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to... Uh, <laughs> for I seek not to please myself, but only him who sent me. And Jesus said that. So he's God on the earth saying, I won't even live according to my own, my own will and my own opinions here on the earth. I'm going to surrender that so that I can live completely according to the will of the Father here on earth.
John 8 verse 28 also same thing Jesus said when you have lifted up the son of man then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the father has taught me the one who sent me is with me and he has not left me for all I always do what pleases him it's what I really wanted to talk about tonight is just those couple of verses is that to to be to honestly to be the church that God wants us to be we've got to be people who listen to those those verses literally listen to those verses Jesus himself wouldn't wouldn't say anything wouldn't do anything wouldn't go running around with his own ideas and his own initiative and you know I I, I know people who've started churches and and have, have admitted to me I don't like to pray can you help me learn how to pray oh by the way I'm starting a church in a month I'm like how do you know that you're starting a church that God wants you to start if you've just admitted to me you don't even like prayer so here's the thing is we've got to be, I, I, I'm just, I'm praying, I'm praying that, that God uses this time, like not just in our church and in our lives, right, that we be people in our, in our church, in Seashore Church, but that this, this COVID, that the, the, the churches have been shut down for a time and I'm praying that there'd be such deep repentance in people's hearts, such deep seeking after God, such deep, um, it's repentance for doing the things and chasing the things that God never intentioned should be in church in the first place. Um, and so if, if the church would repent of those things, we will, we will see such incredible revival in the church. God is already reviving and bringing into kingdom people outside the church right now. He is doing it and it's been, I've been watching it and it's been such a beautiful thing, but there's still people like, so people that have been contacting me are brand new Christians going, I gave my life to Jesus on my living room floor, on my lounge room floor. I need your help. Do you have a church? Right? And so God is doing this outside the church while people in the church are still wearing masks and, and cowering in fear. And so if the, if the church, if the church would understand who we are, first of all, living stones God wants to put in place into this building up this great big body the body of Christ people who'd be so full of the Holy Spirit just like Jesus was so ready to hear from the Spirit so ready to put in place and do everything the Holy Spirit's asking us to do fearlessly by the way hearing God and doing it because if we're hearing God and doing it then we get all the protection we get all of the provision that we need to do all of the grace we flow in his grace we flow in his glory when we're hearing him and obeying everything he's asking he all of the provision that we need for any of it is all right there it's when we run outside of his will and out and run on our own ideas and run on our own agendas that we we run into trouble and that's why this pastor burnout is real but it's because people are not hearing from the Holy Spirit and they've not been obeying the Holy Spirit. And when you have striving over here and religious works on the other side and people running around instituting their own, their own ideas, of course, of course, if the enemy has a field day. That demons are literally given access to that life in the church. When, when the church is not in that place of obedience and not in that place of yielded, surrender, submit, you know, lives completely submitted to God, no matter what. And so that's my prayers, I, I, um, that, that we'd be people, but not just our church, because, you know, we keep preaching this. This is not new. Some of this stuff is, you, you understand this because we keep talking about it. But, but pray that over this nation. Like pray that over the nation, that the, the church really rises as the true church and the people really wake up to understand that um, a mask will not protect you. The blood of Jesus will protect you. So... I just will leave with this. I think that the church 
individuals, but then the church has not really grasped how much God loves her. I'll start crying on that. Because I know, I know I've got to grow in this. I've got so much room to grow, right? Well, I'm going to be growing to the day I meet Jesus face to face. We're lifelong learners, right? Um, but I know, that the, I know that the sleepiness in American church, I know that the, um, the cowering and, and the wearing of masks and the fear and the confusion because there's been too much believing the media lies, I know that a lot of the... I know that a lot of the things that people struggle with is because they have not understood how much God loves them. And that's the revelation that's got to come back into the church, that people would realize that we, we, are, we are the apple of God's eye, precious chosen people, the precious, precious, cho- uh, like everybody's loved. God loves all humanity, all of humanity. But it's those that have responded in faith to Christ, responded to what he's already wants to give freely to every person, gift of salvation, right? But as people respond freely to that, they become his chosen and precious and prized possession. And he, he, takes, he takes special, uh, he, ta- he, he wants to lavish love on, on his people, on his children, all of his children. And so that's, pray into that, pray for the, your own life, but pray into that for the American church, that the church would really rise. Because if we, can, if we grasp how much we're loved and the, and the, and the place, because we are loved, the place that we, high, high place that we occupy in Christ because we're loved. Like Ephesians and Colossians, uh, Ephesians says, we're, and Philippians says, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places now. It's because he's lo- he loves us so much. He's done that. Someone earlier, he had a vision of that. Someone saw that as we were worshipping. Someone saw us rise to that place in heavenlies. Um, it's, it's understanding that he, his, his love for us is not a small thing and it's not apportioned out to you and a little bit to you and a little bit over here and a little bit over here it's not like little bits of love gets apportioned out because he's got only so much and it runs out his, his love is immeasurable we'll never reach the height or the depth we can't plumb the depth of it it's immeasurable and um, immeasurable to me before I even start thinking about someone else <laughs> right and so it's that it's that the church in the church in America really could get a start to understand how much God loves her. We would not be having this COVID problem right now. We would not be having the racial issues right now if the church could start to see how much God loves her. Because that's that place of healing. When, when, a, when, when a heart is hit and hit over and over and over again and just let literally wave after wave of experiencing God's love hit, hit a heart, there's so much healing and so much freedom comes. And so, um, yeah, just pray into that. I think I've been all over the place a little bit tonight and God wouldn't really let me get proper notes. I just came with a bunch of scripture. I didn't even read it all. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Just understand that that we are we are as loved as Jesus, and that's a hard thing for people to to accept. People will hear that and go, "That's heresy. He's God, right?" But it's actually not. It's like we are as loved by the Trinity as Jesus, and so if you can imagine, you can imagine when when God spoke over Jesus. You, when he baptized him 
This is my son. I'm so well pleased. There's some words are spoken over you every single day before you do anything, before you even take your first breath every single day. Those same words are spoken over you and it's because it's that same love and that same favour out of heaven toward you. That same opinion out of heaven, God's great opinion of you is that you are amazing, you are beautiful, you are precious, you are chosen, you are strong, you are mighty in Him, not in your own strength, in Him. Right? And, then, and then he has such great exploits for us all to be doing. Right, And so it's the understanding that we, we are so precious and so prized by him. A special, special, his special, peculiar people, a special prized possession. And, that so, and so in that place of, if you think about when you read the, the four, first four books of the Bible, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you read all the miracles of Jesus and you can imagine, right, all of heaven looking on, encouraging, going, yeah, another miracle, yeah, another life saved. Heaven does the same thing when you do that. And so it's to understand, like, that is, that is how we are loved. Mm-hmm. And, and we're empowered the same way. And the church, that's, that's, this is the message for the church to really rise. We are loved the same way. We are empowered the same way. And our call has been since the beginning. Go and make disciples of everyone, everywhere. And, and, and I'm with you always to the end. <laughs> Jesus said that. I've been given all authority and all power. And I'm telling you, go everywhere. Go into every small town, every large town, every big city, every farm, <laughs> every every arid place, every dry place. I'm with you always where you go. And all of heaven is waiting and encouraging you and loving you and giving you strong presence, strong anointing. The glory of God goes with you to do it. I'm done. I'm going to cry because it's the church. The church has got to rise. The church has got to be the church and it has not been the church. And not all of the church. I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at all of it. There's been incredible, incredible bright spots. Um, but many just turn up into a service on a Sunday and then go home and don't think about church for the whole rest of the week. Barely maybe do a devotional, but it's like someone else's traditional devotional. Rather than have this alive, alive relationship with Jesus. Like the living Jesus sitting with you, having coffee in the morning or, or, or in the evening, you know, as you eat your dinner, like he's, he's with us always, never leaves us. It's this presence of the Holy Spirit. He's with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit, never, ever leaves us. And the church has got to realize that. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.